you are beautiful, you are so strong, you're amazing. Like Every day of life is a blank sheet of paper. More happy days in our lives. Small, small changes. You had to just be with life. To really practice mindfulness. I am not my thought. It's not easy, but it's very simple. If you put those two things together, you know, the sky is the limit. Today, we have an amazing guest, a fellow mother here, Nicole Langevin. Thank you, Nicole, for being in the show and for your presence. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. If, uh, imagine there is the commercial about you, three to four minutes, three to five minutes, okay, let's say, or someone talks about you in the radio show. What would this commercial say about you? They would say, how the hell is she doing all of that and still smiling? I love it. I when um, before the show we were chatting a little bit, and I told you how I admire you because I personally am a mom of a toddler. I have a four-year-old son, and you have two kids. Uh, and I always get inspired by the stories of people, especially moms who live in the U.S. Because let me tell you, in the part of the world where I live, everyone helps you to raise your kids. And oh, when that I lived, wonderful. When I lived in the U.S., I raised him for for. I have been here for a few months. So I have raised my son alone and I have seen how mothers in the U.S. do it all alone. They don't get the help every weekend. They have to just like find a babysitter and they have three to four kids and they raise them completely alone. They stay with the kids or they are working moms as well. So I'm really admiring women, especially U.S. moms who can also build multiple businesses and work on themselves. So I would love to hear your story. How do you juggle it all? Is it even possible to also be fulfilled uh, from inside, give attention to your husband or your partner, and also give attention to your businesses, to your work, and also to your kids? And if it is so, how are you personally dealing with all of this? Well, you definitely have that right. It is a lot. And I think that it's it's wonderful to hear that where, where you are, there is a support system just kind of automatically for women with children. I would say that, you know, kids always come first. So the first thing that I, or the thing that I prioritize is making sure that our village is intact and healthy. And when I say our village, I mean our support system. Do we have the people around us to make sure that our children are getting what they need, that they're being fulfilled and happy so that then I can do what I need to do in order to you know, make money, keep myself fulfilled, all of those things. But the village is so important. And in our village happens to be my mother who lives six minutes away. We've got some wonderful neighbors and we've got some, some friends that have come into our lives and just stayed and become wonderful figures for our kids. So kind of always keeping in mind that you can never have a village that's too big and you can never have a village that's too close, but it's also something that needs to be cultivated and maintained and, and given attention. So that's a huge priority for my husband, Derek, and I is, is to make sure that we've got that. Um, the other thing is, you know, if, if for some reason we can't be there the day that they figure out how to tie their shoe or the day that they fall down, we have the comfort in knowing that there are not just one, but multiple people who can step in and take that role. And that's a really special thing. I don't, I, I shouldn't even say, I don't think, I know I couldn't do what I do if we didn't have such a wonderful village around us. It's not, not super easy to just snap your fingers and have people around to help, but um, we, we definitely prioritize that. The other thing is you know, just making, making wise choices. You know this too. I mean, before you have kids, you're, 
you just make decisions based on yourself, basically. And what I have found, the strength that I've found in having kids is that I can say no to things that don't suit our family. And it's a hard thing to develop. It's, it's a weird thing to develop, actually, when you first become a parent. But there's strength in that. You know, when, when an opportunity comes or, or an option comes, there's, there's a thought process there. Is, do I want to do it because it's fulfilling? Do I want to do it because it helps my family? And is this something that's going to help us propel forward? And if not, it's okay to say no. And, and in business, that's actually a, a huge strength, um, not saying yes to absolutely everything. And lastly, no, I, I think perspective is gigantic. Just having perspective when, when things feel like they're overwhelming. I have days like this all the time where I feel like I'm treading water and I have to stop and say, okay, hold on. Look at this from another direction. Nobody's making you do all of this. This is what you created. And if you created it, you can also create a better way to do it. So let's take a step back and, and realize that you have the power to make the changes that you need to change. And in having that perspective and appreciation for being overwhelmed and going, wow, I'm overwhelmed because I created a lot. That's actually really cool. And then it goes back to the village. Okay, how can I delegate a little bit? How can we make this a little more manageable? I can definitely uh, talk about the village. The moment I arrived here and I got the help and I got the village, I am a better mother. I am more calmer. I am more happier. And the best moms are the moms who, get, who have the village behind them. You were talking about creating and creating a lot. Can you share more with us what you do? Can you share more with what we have created and um, just share more about your business or multiple businesses that you have built and your passions behind them? Yeah, so I, I have been a gymnast my whole life. Uh, right now, I'd say what I can actually do physically is not anywhere near it was, where it was, but I've been involved in gymnastics since I was five years old. I, I was in all the way in through my early 20s. I competed at the Junior Olympics. I went into coaching, ran a Junior Olympic program out in California, and then got to a point where my entrepreneurial and creative juices were flowing so hard and so fast that I couldn't ignore them anymore. So I, I kind of delved into this little idea that I had of, hey, what if I had a business where I was in charge and I could go around and I could work with gymnasts all over the world, not just in this one building, and, and reach more? And what, what would that actually look like? So I, I started putting the word out and I was doing choreography at first. So I was going and teaching choreography to different gymnasts around the area that I lived in in Southern California. And then that started to grow. Uh, I, made, I made contact with a wonderful woman named Alicia Sacramoni. She's an Olympic team captain. She's a 10-time world medalist. And I, I happened to run into her and I, I got brave and talked to her about what I did and asked if she wanted to join me. And she did. And so just that connection right there gave a lot of validity to what I was doing because people went, oh, if she's a part of this, this must be a real thing. So then all of a sudden, this little idea that I had of wouldn't this be cool became an actual thing, a legitimate business. And How it do continued. you believe? Sorry to interrupt you. How do you believe? Because we all get these ideas of what if, or we call it, call it dreaming. How did you manage to believe in yourself? And when you got the idea to execute, is it just part of your character or what allowed you to pursue those what ifs? I think a little bit is genetics and a little bit is a little bit of a curse where, and I've been like this since I was a kid. When I think of an idea, then I have to do it. It's like this, it's this thing. And, and it's, you know, people joke with me about not 
don't bring up ideas around Nicole because then she has to do it. And she's got enough on her plate. Don't just leave her. But that's that's the thing that happens. I, I think of something and then I just kind of have to create it, even if that means just saying it out loud. And that's how that started. I just said it out loud. I introduced myself to someone someday one day and said, my name's Nicole and I'm a gymnastics choreographer. I said it out loud. And then that became who I was. And then I was introduced as that. And then when that need came up, somebody thought, oh, I met somebody that does that. And it just kind of organically propelled from there. Um, once I did that, I started getting into different gyms and doing choreography. And I have other knowledge besides choreography with gymnastics. I have a lot of knowledge, technically speaking, but I was only there to do this one thing. But I would start talking to the coach and Oh, they'd ask me a question. Do I have any advice on what this kid's doing on beam? And I'd say yes. And they'd oh, could you come back and do a clinic on that? And I would say, yeah, I do clinics. Never done one in my life, but yeah, I, I do clinics. That's me. And then I went home and I came, I prepared a, a way that I was going to start doing clinics, introduced myself as such, started doing it, word spread. So that's kind of the way that this has all been happening all along is there's a need I feel like, yeah, I could do that. And then I just kind of turn it into something. Um, well, what was your motivation by saying, yes, I can do that? Definitely knowing that I could do it. I've, I've always been somebody who talks the talk and then figures out how to walk the walk if mm -hmm. I know I can. I, I don't say yes to things that I have no business doing or that I can't do. But in my, in my 20s and even early 30s, building what I've built, it was a lot of saying yes because I knew I could figure it out quickly enough to execute it. Some of that's a little bit of a thrill, but there's also, you know, you have to have the confidence to back it up. So that's what I'm saying with that, that entrepreneurial spirit and creativity of I just have this constant feeling to create, create, create. And while it's not sculptures and paintings, it's creating services. It's creating packaged services that can help people. So I would say the motivation there is uh, definitely some autonomy, you know, wanting to, wanting to be in charge of what I do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even though it started with choreography, I still feel like I'm choreographing every day, choreographing my life, choreographing the, the new parts and the new pieces to it and the new pathways to it. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's that need to create, it's that autonomy, and it's a little bit of the challenge of, hey, what would it look like if I did X, Y, or Z? Okay, I'm going to do it. Um, I believe uh, of this notion of how you do anything is how you do everything. And you mentioned that you are still choreographing your life. So was gymnastic and this choreography had an effect on your character or your character was the suit for all of it in the beginning as well? Because everything we do teaches us something. And what we do the most of the time is it's dancing or painting. We just take the techniques from that and apply to our life. So I was just curious, like, how was it for you personally? I think um, having, creating and having a schedule, regardless of, of what it is that you're doing, for me, that's something that, that keeps me motivated and keeps me progressing and keeps me happy too. Um, you know, for example, I know, you know, my kids get up around seven to get ready for school. I know for a fact, if I get up at six and come downstairs and do my workout, I know that the rest of the day, I'm going to ride that high of the workout. I'm going to ride that, that schedule that I set. I'm going to stay on it. I'm going to constantly feel rewarded and like I'm completing a task all day. And so that's something that's really important. And I carry that into family as well. We, we, you know, we have to schedule 
time to do things together. Um, we just started doing family game night with the kids and they had so much fun. It was a half an hour of playing whatever the heck we're playing. We were playing family feud the other night. And so now that's something that, okay, that feels good. That works for us. It's productive. That's, we're going to do that every Thursday. Let's, let's prioritize the things that we need to get done. Um, and it doesn't mean that it's now it becomes a chore that you have to do because as soon as that's not fulfilling for the kids anymore, then we replace that with something else. But I think you know, prioritizing and having some sort of schedule and having that ability to have a sense of accomplishment throughout the day is huge. And I think it can translate to, to life, to work, to family, anything. It seems to me that you are a very open-minded person. As you mentioned, that like if it doesn't serve kids anymore, I'm going to change it. If I don't know it, I'm going to go at home and read about it and then learn it. What was in your life that you just, the, you can tell me like the real life examples or from your personal life or as you helped other people when you stepped outside of the box and it just worked and maybe everyone was saying that it's not going to work. Maybe it was not a traditional way. Just examples of, coloring outside the lines basically in your life um i would say i think everything has been that way um to psychoanalyze a little bit i would say that part of it has to do with being an athlete at a very young age in a sport that doesn't get a lot of recognition um i was training 20 hours a week in not even middle school even before then and, and all year round, that never, never changes. Gymnastics, it's, a, it's an intense sport. It requires a lot. And it requires a certain type of person to do that, right? I mean, you have to be a seven-year-old that wants to do push-ups. That's, that's not every seven-year-old. So I think a lot of it stems from doing something that was so intense, that required so much, that didn't get a lot of recognition, that made me want to find other ways to, to get a little bit of recognition. And this is as a kid. You know, kids need that kind of pat on the back. And in gymnastics, yes, we'd have the competition and the medals and the trophies, but nobody at school knew what I was doing. It wasn't on television. It wasn't made to be as big of a deal as, as some of the other sports were. So I think when I was younger, I was always trying to find different ways to showcase my hard work ethic and my creativity because it wasn't happening over there. So I think that was, that was a little bit of a driving force. Um, you know, now it's not to get recognized or get the pat on the back, but it's just kind of become a part of who I am. Always trying to find a little different way to do things. And, you know, if you want to improve, it's not usually about replicating what somebody else has done. It's about learning what they've done and then doing it a little differently. That's, that's how you progress. I, I definitely thrive off of that feeling of, like I said, task completion or, or even meeting a challenge. So like you said, you know, people say, well, that's not going to work. Well, I go, oh yeah, watch this. And that, <laughs> that's just, that's a personality thing, I guess. Um, I love that personality thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, you've just been there. I mean, I'm sure we could dive even deeper, but I'm, I've never really thought about it since you just asked right now. Um, but I do know that, that that feeling of kind yeah. of like, I'm a little different. I'm a little different and I'm going to do a little something a little different. I, I'm always curious to hear those childhood moments because all of that just creates part of who we are. We are born with certain characteristics or like strengths, but also our childhood and our lives that we lived while we were kids just shapes us into the people we are today. I adore what you just said about gymnastics that it wasn't getting recognized a lot and that just drives you to do what you are doing now and 
fast forward now you mentioned like the you that you worked with people who you admired growing up or with the celebrities i would love to you to tell me because it takes a okay you are a very clever woman you are very driven and you are very intelligent you know your strengths you are confident but to to go there where you um have access to all these people as you mentioned you need to be also a people's person so talk to me about that how all of that happened and tell us some celebrity stories because all of us love to hear some of the interesting stories <laughs> <laughs> well you know that that first encounter with alicia was i really you know looking back i had no business going up and telling her that i have this you know business and you should join me because all i was telling her was basically what i wanted it to be but i think i was so confident in the way i put it and and we just got along so well that it you know we we meshed and it happened but um i i think you know remembering that people are just people people are just people trying to do the best they can and and make the best choices that they can and be as successful as they can more often than not is is huge um but you know with what i do i'm in such a small niche of gymnastics that once i was able to break through and have somebody so wonderful who is now a business partner of mine in another business that i have actually uh it, it kind of allowed this little bit of a snowball effect where, okay, well, if she believes in me, then I can approach so-and-so because they're going to see that she believes in me and they're going to give me a chance to hear me out. Um, I, I think that if you, the number one thing for anybody in business that's trying to, trying to grow and get more support and more alliances, number one, you, you've got to have the confidence that you know that if you are given that golden opportunity, you're going to rock it. And I had that feeling. I had that feeling from day one. Someone would just give me a chance. I can create amazingness. I just need somebody to listen. So you have to have that first. And if you can go into a conversation having that, people feel that. If you go into a conversation and you're nervous and you hope that they'll listen to you and it, the confidence doesn't, doesn't come through. And so that's, that's a big part of it is you've got to work on yourself and make sure that you're so good and so clear at what you're doing that it comes across even if you're not talking about what it is that you're doing. And so I was able to, to make connections, have those conversations. And then I was in a point where I could actually offer something, a job to, to these people that I admired. Um, in gymnastics, it's, it's very interesting. It's, it's hopefully it's starting to change a little bit, but a lot of these athletes gave their, their high school years, their formative years, their college years to the sport. It's, it's very much like the military. They, they had to forego a lot of opportunities and a lot of growing and building and learning to serve their country. Essentially, that's what it is in the sport. And so when they're done, they've, they didn't get those experiences of really that full engrossed college experience that, that a lot of people do if they're not serving their national team. And so I, understanding that, I realized that what I can do is offer them something that doesn't require that standard degree and so i decided that anybody who has been on the national team or even been an elite athlete i already know right there that they're hardworking, they're determined they can troubleshoot they can problem solve they're they can get through the toughest of times and that they're logical and hardworking. so knowing that i i say you know what your time on the national team your time as an elite athlete is a master's degree to me 
because what is a master's degree? It tells you that somebody can follow through and they're hardworking and they're smart. So I, I started using that mentality as well. You know, not just I'm so lucky to talk to you, but I have something to offer you as well. You're a little lucky to talk to me. And I don't mean that in a bragging way, but we all have something to bring to the table. So that's, that's a very important thing to recognize as well. You know, it doesn't have to be one-sided. Um, we all have something we can offer and, um, you know, just, just understanding your audience. Why is it so an important sport? Other than what you just mentioned, what are you gaining out of it? And I would just like to know if there are any challenges for girls, challenges for girls there that we need to talk more about and raise awareness about. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, I, I will share with you my personal experience, and I'm definitely not the only one because I've had this conversation with multiple people. Um, there are there are some some dark sides of the sport that have come to light in the last few years, thank goodness. And some real changes are starting to happen in the culture of the sport. But I will say, you know, when I was a kid, now I want to be really clear, my coach was not abusive, but I was in the gymnastics culture looking up to and observing other situations. And I grew up thinking that it was absolutely not only acceptable, but normal to be emotionally or physically abused. I thought that's what you do when you're a high-level athlete. And if and that's what they're doing and they're that successful, well then I could handle that. Right. You you just when you're when you're that into a sport, you kind of have blinders on. And so I didn't think the stuff that was happening in our sport that's getting shown now, I didn't think it was abnormal. I thought it was just that's that's what makes us special. That's what makes us tough is that we can handle that, and that is that is not the way anymore. Um, th there's those coaches still out there, but there is such a huge movement now in in the media and just down at the grassroots level to identify and get those people out of the sport that don't have the skills to coach effectively and healthily. So it's a it's a nice time for gymnastics in that sense. It's a we're in a crazy spot of trying to work it all out, but it's the first time that perspectives have really been changed and that people are demanding change and that people are being called out for those past behaviors. Um, you know, there's other things with body image that are huge. I personally experienced an eating disorder when I was uh, 14 years old. And I don't put any fault on my coaches for that. I think that was a perfect storm of me being a little bit obsessive in general um, and then a feeling of being out of control. And that's how I compensated. I, I controlled that. So, um, and that's a very, it's a very common thing, unfortunately. There, there were times where weighing in gymnasts was completely normal. They would weigh in and some of them every single day, some of them more than mm -hmm. once a day. Now we know today that's <laughs> that's not a way to gauge anything, especially when you're trying to help athletes get stronger and stronger. You can't look at the number on the scale. Um, and also nutrition was not talked about too much. In fact, the national team for USA Gymnastics was, they would go to their national training camps and food would, would be restricted heavily. These girls are training, you know, seven, eight hours a day and given very little to eat to the point where they had to sneak food in. And that was our national team. So that's where we were. <laughs> that's where we were. And, and we're out of that now. But um, I would say on the, on the positive side, something that's always been there and is still there, I'm going to share a little anecdote with you that I, I share with parents a lot. You know, there's, 
very few athletes will make it to the elite level in any sport. It's just the reality. That, that's why it is that it's, it's basically a pyramid. And if you're in it just for that, or you have your kid in it just for that, you're probably going to be disappointed. That's, that's an end result that may or may not happen. Who knows? Uh, then there's the journey. And that's really what I think all sports are about. And I think that that's what we have to look at everything about. If we're constantly focused on the end goal, we're missing all the stuff in between. So to use gymnastics as an analogy, that that journey is where the benefits really truly lie. And I share this with parents. Their kids that are in competitive gymnastics, even at the very, very beginning levels, they have a competitive season every year. And every year they're going from competition to competition, trying to qualify to the final big one. And sometimes that's state championships. Sometimes it's regionals. Sometimes it's nationals. Sometimes it's world championships. It depends on their level. But regardless of that, the second to last competition they have every year is their most intense. It's the second to last competition, which means it's their final chance to qualify to the big show. Everything they've done all year rides on this one competition. And now we've got a competition where there's four events happening, vault, bars, beam, and floor. These kids stand in front of that balance beam, waiting for the signal from the judge to do a routine, knowing that whatever they're about to do is going to determine, determine whether they get to go to the big final com competition at the end of the year or if they're done that one routine on that four-inch balance beam. And they stand there and they wait. And when that judge signals, they salute. And not only do they not freak out, they get up there and do a routine on a four-inch beam. I don't know many adults that can withstand that. And the fact that there are seven-year-olds that do that on a regular basis every single year at the same time of year, it's astounding to me. And that's what you get out of gymnastics. That's why you put your kid in gymnastics. They can handle that and they can manage their emotions regardless of whether they succeed or fail. But the fact that they can put themselves out there in that type of situation is, it's unbelievable to me. So that, that part has never changed and, and it's not going to. And I hope that it doesn't because it's, it's a great skill to have. So just give us some few tips. How can we believe in ourselves first? It comes natural to you as it seems to me, but how can listeners... If they are listening, oh, she's a strong woman, oh, she's driven, I cannot do that. What would you tell them? And how, what would be your advice to just show ourselves the way we want other people to see? Uh, well, first of all, I probably should get an Academy Award because I, <laughs> it's funny that you think I don't focus on my weaknesses. That is a, that's a huge struggle. I always have that struggle. I, I have imposter syndrome probably twice a week where I'm in a situation and go, I don't have any business doing this. How did this happen? But I push through and I look back and go, oh, okay, I, I, I am capable. I do belong here. I should have done that. But I think it's a way of keeping yourself in check too. Recognizing that there is nobody out there who is successful that isn't still trying to learn and isn't still trying to improve. And that perspective right there, I think, can help a lot of people who struggle with only focusing on the negative. Think of the person that you admire the most, and they could write you a laundry list of things that they want to change about themselves or improve about themselves. And that's okay. 
I think people get harped down and focusing on the negative because they think that that makes them less than. I'm missing these qualities. I'm struggling in these qualities. And so everybody else has got it figured out except for me. But when you can actually look at a, a human being who is successful and go, you're thinking the same thing about yourself, it can ease that a little bit. It can make the, the playing field a little more level. Um, but perspective in general, I think going back to the village too, listen, listen to how, how other people describe you. We typically will describe other people by all their positive qualities and then ourselves negatively, like you said. So, you know, try to, try to ask, ask the people around you that that's okay to do. Cause they're probably going to want to hear it as well. Um, but listening to people around you, um, making lists, I mean, that's huge making lists of not necessarily what am I good at and what am I not good at, but making lists on comparing where was I last year in terms of such and such? I used to, let's see, what's something I used to get so mad that I would, I would throw my keys. Gosh, remember last year I used to do that all the time. I don't really do that much anymore. Like start doing self-reflection like that. What, what has changed? What has improved? And that's where you can give yourself the pat on the back because that, then we're talking about the journey and not the end result because you're not ever done. And I, I heard a great, great quote that I'm probably going to smash, but it was something like, don't ever stop learning. As soon as you think you have nothing left to learn, you won't. And I think that's a really sad place to be. So um, yeah, perspective. Everybody's always got to learn and everybody's, everybody's improving. You're not going downhill. <laughs> if you're changing, you're improving. Uh, I'm really enjoying uh, the conversation with you. And before I ask you my few last questions, first of all, I really want to acknowledge you for sharing so honestly and sharing about your experiences and saying that you are not perfect, that you also... <laughs> far, far from it, my friend. <laughs> Obviously. And I like how you have really thought about gymnastics and how you are, you just whatever you just learned, now you are bringing value with it to other people. And you are just transferring your lessons of life to others. And I really admire that in people when whatever they learn, they teach to others and they help others with whatever they just accomplish. So I really, I want to thank you for that. And thank you for your time and for being here. Oh, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Um, plus, having two kids and then still having time to do this and do your own podcast. Can you tell me more about your own podcast? Uh, what are you up to and how are you bringing value today? Yeah. So I kind of had this realization last year where I felt like I, I, I've done a lot. There's still a lot of work to do with the businesses, but uh, establishing the business, creating a brand, being recognizable, being sought after as a as a brand and in this wonderful team that I have with me. And, and that is going to continue to grow. But what I started feeling like I was losing a little bit was myself, my actual identity, who I am. Mm -hmm. Because when you're the face of something larger, you not you, you got to be aware of every word you say and every face you make and every gesture is reflective of all these other people that are supporting you and a part of it. And that's great. That's wonderful. But I got my own personality that's, you know, I, I'd like to share that with the world a little bit and, and some things that, that don't totally fall in line with the business, but that I still, I still want to do. I feel like that, that burning sensation to do that. So I, 
had a bunch of people had mentioned to me over the last few years, like, gosh, you should do a podcast. Just do the, the, your conversational skills or whatever. Um, and I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, why the hell would I put one more thing on my plate? Are you crazy? But then when I realized, wait a second, maybe this is the thing that will serve me, fulfill me. It's kind of, it's fun for my kids to know when they get to watch a little bit. I've brought them on here and there. Um, and it, so it's, it's fulfilling my own unique identity. And it's also helping the business because it's still tied into gymnastics. So what I do on the show is I bring on, right now it's a gymnastics season because that is the world I know, but it will go on to be other figures in sports and entertainment. But it's called What Makes You Think? And I bring them on and we, we banter a little bit, but the whole goal is to find out the personality behind the persona. So you see these, these figures and you think you know them because you watch them in the Olympics or you watch them on TV, but who are they really? We almost kind of think all golfers must have the same personality. All gymnasts must, and they, they're all extremely unique. They just happen to do the same thing. So I really like to give them an opportunity to uncover who they actually are. How did they become who they are and, and what makes them tick? So in our conversations, I actually try not to ask them the typical, what was it like to make the Olympics? How did it feel? Because they've, they've answered that question a million times. Instead, I ask them unrelated things and then I show them videos and they don't know what the video is going to be, but it's always a video of them. So for the gymnastics season, it's, it's a video of them performing one of their greatest moments, maybe one of their lower ones, maybe something in the middle. And I turn the volume down and I just ask them to just start speaking freely. When you watch this, what does it make you think? And man, to have somebody go back and watch that and all the feelings that come back and the anecdotes that come back is so much richer than just asking somebody point blank, what was it like at the Olympics? Because they'll tell you the same thing they've said a million times. But when they watch it, all of a sudden they remember a conversation they had the day before, something weird that happened. They tripped on their way up to the podium, all these things. And that's what people really want to hear. That's the interesting stuff. We know you went and got a 9.9. Great. What what was going on in your mind? What happened? What happened that morning? What did you have for breakfast? So that's that's really the heart and soul of the show right there. It is some outside of the box thinking, showing them the video of themselves, not only showing them the video, turning <laughs> down the volume and then letting them think. Oh my God, I love it. What is your, okay, you teach me. What is your main question you ask? Is just like your brain works that way? Did you just brain trained your brain to think outside of the box is there any question because questions are the keys sometimes when I want to do something in a different way I'm like how can I do it in the unique way that suits me that's the question that I ask do you have any question that keeps you at night that helps you to think outside of the box it's so funny that you're saying that phrase because the thing I say at the end of the show is until next time keep thinking outside the box so that's really funny <laughs> I even have a tattoo here that says coloring outside of the line I wanted to oh, say I, I, I wanted it to say like thinking outside of the box or going beyond the norms, but I was like, okay, coloring outside of the line just like contains both, so I just did coloring <laughs> outside of the line. <laughs> so funny. Um, I don't know. I mean, we we had a thing running on the show for a while where I would ask every guest very seriously, "How come whenever you go to a restaurant, high end, middle of the road, and you order a dish with shrimp, they put the tails on?" Why, why do they keep the tails on? 
in, in soup and pasta, knowing that I have to dig in there. Well, there's got to be a reason. Everybody has a problem with it. What? And it's so funny because at first they look at me like, what the hell are you talking about? Then they start thinking about it and they start getting kind of worked up. Wait a second. Yeah, why is <laughs> so? Actually, I just ate shrimp. The last it was a burger, and the shrimp had tails on it. And I was like, "Why does it have tails?" <laughs> this is so funny that you just read it. It's everybody suffers. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, how can you be so like disciplined but also flexible? You have this. This is just my words. This logical side. And this, um, you take it very seriously, but also you take, look at it with so much fun and you don't take it fully seriously. Is it just your personality or is it just something you admired in others and then you developed? Uh, no, that's, that's definitely me. And that's a part of me that I feel like I've had to stifle a little bit with my other businesses. And that's, that's where the show comes in. It's an outlet because yeah, I'm, I'm a little, little wacky. Um, I will share with you though, part of that is, is it's a little heavy, but, and I'll give you the short version, but um, when my son was born, he was my first child. He, uh, you know, we were already stressed out because first kid and you're like, oh, I don't want to screw this up. And it turned out that he had a heart condition and he had to get heart surgery when he was five weeks old. And for a new parent who's already, the world is already upside down to have that thrown into it and, and to all of a sudden just not care about anything in the world except for that kid, that that's all that mattered. And, and the stress that it entailed and the amazement that I have to look at him even to this day and go, wow, you know, um, that, that is a time period that I, I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy to have to sit there and wait for your child to come off bypass and, and, you know, just everything that goes with it and the recovery. Um, but on the other hand, it, it was a wonderful gift because it has given me and my husband really great perspective on what's really stressful. Let's think about it for a second. What's actually stressful? Because we experienced one of the most stressful things that, that a human can experience. And, and just keeping that, having that experience and trying to look at it in a way of being grateful and, and having my son have, you know, a, he's got his, his zipper scar, um, that he calls his badge of honor and you know, he's six years old now, um, is, is again, a great gift. You know, he knows that he, he did something, he, he survived something. He made it through something before he even knew that he could, he did something amazing. So I, I think everybody's got not that story, but something that they can go back to and go, okay, that's the epitome of stress. Now let's compare everything else to that. And maybe, maybe we'll relax a little bit and, and maybe we can find, find a way to think of it as a gift. Thank you so much for sharing this very uh, personal story. And it just always goes back to gratitude and you just gave us a great tool or a way to gratitude is just remember the most stressful time. And remember where are you right now and then compare to each other. That's so great because we teach people to tell people, just be grateful. We don't tell them how to be grateful. Right. This is a great how. Just remind yourself how lucky you are by remembering your worth and that you are not there anymore. 
Oh, Is there Scotland. any question or any topic that you wanted to talk about and I didn't got the chance to ask this question? So no, that was it. I, I really enjoyed talking to you and, and thank you. Your I can feel your energy through the computer. So I can only <laughs> imagine what it's like in person. <laughs> thank you so much. Where can people find you? What are you up to? Uh, how can you bring value to them? Do you have any upcoming events or how can they listen to your podcast? Just share more about you. Yeah, so the show is called What Makes You Think, and it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, I think basically everywhere. And on social media, I'm at uh, Nicole Langevin, so that's the name that you had said at the beginning that I'm thinking is probably somewhere in the show, um, Nicole Langevin Consultant, and that's on Facebook and Instagram. Any direct messages go straight to me. So if anybody wants to contact me directly, that's a great way to do it. So again, that's Nicole Langevin Consultant, and the podcast is called What Makes You Think. I love that. And nobody's perfect, but for the people listening, just, just listen to the people, focus on their strengths, and get inspiration from their strengths. Because it's easy not to see people, to see people as flawed beings and then we don't want to listen to them but if we focus on the strengths of the people as in this case i'm focusing on your strengths because i just have that habit we just can learn so much from each other i know you have said you're not perfect but in what in your strengths that's admirable for me and that's very inspiring i'm very inspired right now i'm going to end this uh, conversation by being inspired and I'm pretty sure listeners are very inspired too with your strengths with your mindset with your perspective how you believe in yourself and how you treat your life what would be this is the question I ask everyone can leave us a word or a sentence or a two what is on top of your heart not mind on top of your heart that you want to just say the last word basically to the listeners and to me one single word you can say a word or a sentence um, or two sentences just something you want to leave us thinking or just motivate motivational something or inspirational or just whatever just comes up into your heart well I've, i have two directions on this one is limitations spawn creativity and so when when you have a grand plan grand plans tend to not <laughs> happen when you've got all the details figured out of how it's going to work, usually doesn't happen. Um, but looking at looking at limitations as an opportunity to be even more creative and more outside the box, because the the most incredible things weren't created because that person had every resource available to them. So I I like that one right there. That's that's something I I started saying in film school when we were trying to make movies on a college budget and you know didn't have half of what we needed or a quarter of what we needed, and I came up with some really cool ideas instead. In gymnastics, I I worked in a facility that didn't have a pit, which is like where they have all the foam blocks. They didn't have that. Because of that, I've come up with some really incredible drills. So, um, not. You know, but the story about my son too, that was a, that was a limitation, but it, it made us go in a whole new direction. And I'm so glad that we did. So limitation spawn creativity. And, and other than that, um, yes, it's my favorite band, but journey focus on the journey. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much, Nicole, for being part of the show. Thank you so much for being open, vulnerable, shared some personal stories. And just thank you for your energy and for your presence. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for listeners. And until next time.